Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. and explore what it is we are leading others to. I want to do this in um, some kind of duplicity. Like, So I want to share with graduates, but I'm also sharing with you the importance of what God has called us to in setting the pace or leaving an example of truth. You can be a great parent, You can plan great things. You can spend money. You can care about them. You can go to their activities. You can like their friends or not like their friends. You can enjoy the things they do. Like if you have a kid that plays soccer and that makes you angry because you really want them to play football, right? You got to work through that process. But the most important part of you being a parent, a grandparent, a neighbor, a friend, an adult who knows who God is, knows the truth of Jesus, we have a massive responsibility to pour life and truth into these young men and women. So our children's ministry, our kids' ministry, River Kids and and River Student Ministry, we all have a role to play in that. And I wonder if we would ever really pause and and ask the question, do we get as excited about Jesus in these kids' lives as we do about their sports or their music or their activities in their life? That's a real question that all of us, we at least have to pause from time to time and think about. Um, 1 Peter 3 walks us through what it means to be a child of God, a learner, maybe even a leader in this world. And so as, as we look at 1 Peter 3, I want us to ask this question. Are we committed to the truth of God and not just the activities of God or the work of God? or the blessing of God? Are we committed to the truth of God? Look at 1 Peter 3 with me, starting in verse 13. He says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who can harm you if you were excited about, committed to, faithful to what is good? Now, let's... Let's establish something very clear here. God is God. God is in control. God has no rivals. 
There's no activity, no person, no thing, no reputation, no environment. There's nothing in this world that has control over God. But all of those things can take control of our hearts if we let them. God has no rival. If that is true then, if we can say that about God, he created all of this that is known and seen. God is in charge. And his plan cannot be thwarted. It cannot be changed. God is in control. God is God. His plan is truth. Therefore, you can trust God. Graduate, you're going to be challenged in a big way as you go and meet people and spend time with people in classes, in training, in your trade. You're going to be bombarded with people who don't know the truth that you know. And they're going to challenge the way you think. They're going to speak in. They're not even going to know that they're trying to influence you differently. They're going to speak their truth. But their truth may not be God. Their truth may not be truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So this raises a big question about your worldview. What is it that you really believe? What is it that you really embrace as truth? Is it being accepted? Is it being wanted? Is it being successful? Those things burn up in our lives when they don't go our way. Those castles crumble and fall. And those little castles that we build in our lives are not just ideas that we build to keep ourselves safe and in here insulated. Those little castles that we build, we build to keep God out. And we don't even know that's what we're doing. But we're working on our success and our failure and our reputation and our relationships and all these other things. And we have no control over any of that. God is in control. He can be trusted. This is what we call a worldview. And if you're going to college, you might take a philosophy or a humanities class and they're going to question, what is it that you really believe? They're going to ask you and talk to you. It's even going to be on the test. So you have to take notes and do that. But they're going to ask you, what is a worldview? What is your worldview? Our worldview as children of God is that God is God. God is in control. God cannot be changed. And we trust him because what he says is truth. Not a truth, but truth. And anything else except for him and his truth is built and meant to harm you. Even if it's good, it's there to harm you. Why? Because it's there to replace God in you. And when it replaces God in you, it not only harms you, but eventually it will destroy you. 
God is God. He is in control. His truth is our only essential. He's your only hope. People are going to challenge that. And I'm going to go off script here, Tanner. I apologize. The truth that God wants you to know is that He is a God of mercy and grace and power and sustainability and eternal hope and joy for your life. Nothing else matters. At the end of the day, God wants what is best for you. And God is far more concerned about growing his personal holiness in you than he ever is about taking suffering away from you. This is what God wants for your life. He wants you to cling to him. And the way of seeing God for you is going to be challenged a great deal in the next 78 years of your life. It's all going to come under fire. So what I, what we, what the elders and the staff and the people of the river want you to know is that you can cling to God and even though things don't go your way, He is going to remain truth and essential for your life. Don't stop believing that. Cling to Him. Hold on to Him. Keep going in Him. You're even going to be challenged with moral decisions and choices in your life. Listen to me very carefully. Morality is an essential part of our spirituality. But morality is not our spirituality. You can be a good and decent person and totally miss God. But when you seek and find God, the choices and decisions of your life flow out of that love relationship and you will become a moral person because your first love is God. Does that make sense? And so we have an abundance of things that will challenge our faith. I'll give you a couple. God made sex. Sex is good. Sex is beautiful. God made sex for the context of marriage. God made sex to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. That's what makes it beautiful. And marriage is a union bound by God between one man and one woman. This is the way God rigged the system. If you see it differently, we love you, we care about you, we don't hate you, and we're not judging you. But that's what God's Word says about marriage. And that's what God's Word says about sex. 
And somebody's going to whisper sweet nothings in your ear and tell you it's okay. But unless you're married to that person, sex is not for you. Right? You're going to choose the right thing when you first choose Jesus as the center of your life. The rest will come. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You're going to get the sex when you get the spouse. And it's awesome. Sorry, I know I see a few. So let's change subjects. Let's talk about alcohol. (laughs) Some of you are disappointed we're changing subjects. Sorry. (laughs) Let's talk about alcohol. Alcohol is not evil. Alcohol is fruit of the earth. God made the fruit. Alcohol is not bad. There are godly people in this church that drink alcohol and they do it righteously and God is not mad about that. There are godly people in this church who do not drink alcohol because of the impact they've seen it have on other people's lives or they are concerned that it might have an impact on their lives and so they abstain from that. The choice is not alcohol or not alcohol. The choice is Jesus. We drink. It's of God. It's okay. The Bible does not explicitly say do not drink. It says do not be drunk with wine. That's biblical truth. Young man, young woman, you're going to be faced with these and many other choices. A, if you're not 21, it's illegal. It's not of God. B, if you're not married, sex with that person is not of God. The choice is God or what I want. Every single time. That's the nature of sin. Truth, not truth. If you're living for your feelings about anything, you will perpetually abandon what God wants for you. Because your feelings are liars. (laughs) God is not. God cannot lie. Does that limit him? No. It means he will not lie. And his truth is, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you. Your happiness will fail you. You're going to be happy in one moment, and then the very next moment, the enemy's going to come kicking in that door and destroy your happiness, and you're going to think your world is falling apart. That also is a lie. 
Your joy is found in God, in His truth, in His way. This is who He is. Psalm uh, 126.3 says, The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Not happiness. Joy. There's joy in the Lord. Happiness happens, so does unhappiness. That's the ebb and flow of life. And I, I can look at every one of you in the eye. We can sit and have a conversation. Every one of you has experienced happiness and unhappiness. Those things don't control you. We choose joy. Choose joy for your life. There's, there's so much more here. I don't even know where I am. What time is it? Let me skip to verse 15 for a minute. I'm not taking anything away from verse 14, but let's look at verse 15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. What you believe, what your parents believe, what they've taught you is going to come under fire. You're going to get challenged for what you believe. This is a reminder to us. First, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That's where it starts. You put him first in your life. When people then come at you with things that are different from what you believe, you are prepared in your heart to stand up for what you believe. Matthew 5, 16, be salt and light. Stand for what you believe. Always be prepared. Starts with setting him apart as Christ and Lord in your life. Because he is holy. And then when you do take a stand for what you believe, do it with gentleness and respect. Why? Because we are called to hate sin, but not despise people who disagree with us. We don't hate the world We are called to love the world, not the ways of the world, the people of the world. Why? Because their eyes have been blinded to the truth. First Corinthians tells a story about Moses going on the mountain. And when he came down off of the mountain after receiving the 10 commandments, he was in the presence of God. And so his face shined. It's called the Shekinah glory of God. His face was so bright and so awkward, they had to put a veil over him. You have had the veil removed so that you can be a mirror that brightly reflects the glory of God. You are a voice of hope in the world. God has given you truth and power and joy and something to stand for, something to live for. Don't let any person take that away. They are not truth. You live in the truth. Enjoy that. Experience that. Walk in that. Live that truth. He is your 
joy. Verse 16. Having a good conscience, because we have made Him first, we're choosing Him, and the overflow of our heart is His ways, so that when you are when you are slandered, when people come against you, those who revile you for your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. God is going to judge the untruth of the world, not you. Take a stand in your life for what is right. I know you care about me. You might even think you love me. I know you're really good looking and I love being seen with you, but I'm not having sex with you until I am married. It's a choice you make for your life. Why? One, you can never get that back. And you'll live with that hurt and pain and consequence for the rest of your life. And or you will find yourself in Christ again. There is repentance that has to step into your life. We repent of the sin and let God get the glory for all parts of our lives. Not just the righteous parts, but for all of our life. We make a decision to step into God so that He can correct what has been wrong in our lives so that He gets the glory for your life. It's the way He works every single time. I've made big mistakes in my life. And that created some things that maybe I enjoyed and maybe even to this day are good because of the moments but it required repentance to ever turn that problem, that question, that doubt, that hurt into something that can glorify God. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. You are not done. He is not done with you. When you make mistakes, you can always run back to the Father. Why? Because He's standing there, Luke 11, like the prodigal father, embracing, waiting, running to you to meet you where you are. Not just wait for you to find your way back. He's going to run to you and accept you. And so will your church. We're going to stand by you. You are loved. Why? Because God is the God of the river. He is our only hope. We don't cling to any other ways of thinking or lifestyles or the music we sing. We cling to the hope found only in Jesus. Graduate, it's your only hope. As the worship team comes back up, um, I want to want to kind of walk us through some of this, what what this looks like for, for our lives. Starting this very moment, you, as a graduate, have a choice to make for your life.
That choice is, I'm going to choose to put God first in my life or I'm going to go for the gusto. I'm going to go make new friends and experience new things and I'm going to see the world and the world, it, it can't hold me. It's going to be awesome. Watch this. When you walk in the joy and the favor of the Lord, when you experience His goodness and the worship of Him, it penetrates your heart and your life. You are free to make choices and take risks and enjoy all that God has created. He made all of these things for you to enjoy, but you will never enjoy them the way God intended until first you choose Him and say, God, give me your eyes to live and choose and risk and go where you want me to go. This ought to be an essential prayer need for you in your life. Starting right now, God, help me make the decisions that are going to honor you with all of my life. And when it is all said and done, you will be able to stand before the King of the universe, the judge of the universe, Jesus, and say, I know you, and you know me. And Jesus will say, I know my sheep. You are mine. Sealed by the blood shed on the cross. I died for you. Come into my kingdom. That's what he wants for you. All this other stuff is going to come and go. Don't miss what God has for you. Parents, if you have younger ones, youngish ones, even if they're already grown, it is not too late. Speak truth and love to your children. Show them the way. Set the pace for them. Church family, we owe it to the young lives that come after us and to the town of Panhandle and to the panhandle, and to the world we live in. We owe it to everyone else to have that life, that light, truth prevail in our life. We owe it to them because they don't know. Because they can't find him on their own. They have to be found by him. That's why God called you and me to be salt and light so they could see Jesus in the world. That's a heavy load, isn't it? That's a privilege we have. I want to pray that over you. And as we sing this one last song, I, I just want to invite you. We have prayer teams in the corners. They will help you understand Jesus, pray over you if you have a need. And we, as a church, are here for you. Don't ever, ever ever forget that. You are loved. Let me pray for us. God, as we celebrate this day, we celebrate our graduates and we finish this moment together. God, I pray that you would protect our hearts. Show us truth. Let us walk in that truth. 
enjoy you, breathe you, teach you, speak you, and live for you as others watch. Thank you for leaving a legacy of truth for us. Now, God, let us impart a legacy of truth in others. You are God. You have no rival. You are in control. We trust you, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.